Wow, thank you for that singing. I'm going to ask you, if you would, to take your, your Bibles and turn today to, to John, the first chapter. We're going to continue on. And matter of fact, I'm, I'm kind of pulling things together through a series that we studied um, for the last couple months or a few months. It was called Nothing But the Blood. Because there's a theme that, that runs from, from Genesis all the way to Revelation that folks, there's salvation and none other than through the sacrificed Lamb of God, Jesus Christ. There, 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 there is salvation and no other. And there's no other way for our sins to be pardoned except through the sacrificial work of Jesus Christ. You can't do it yourself. We can't be good enough because only God is good. And, and, and I challenge you today to go and, and, and make it a study within your word. That's why it's so cool if you take your Bibles and, and you'd read them all the way from Genesis to Revelation. And, and, and you may say, well, Pastor, there's just so much there. Well, you are not going to get it all at first. But if you make a practice of that, of doing it year after year after year, you begin to see how the, 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 the Word of God is just so tied together. And there's pictures of the, in the Old Testament. There's types in the Old Testament you'll begin to pick up. And, and as you read in the New Testament, you says, you know what, I, I remember that. And, and, and that's how you'll begin to understand and you'll be able to bring the Word of God together. You know, when I was a kid that um, grew up going to Sunday school and I grew up hearing all the children's stories, but in all reality, as I grew into a young adulthood, I knew all the stories, but I didn't know how they were all tied together. They, they were all just kind of separate stories to me, and, and, but, but, but they all are tied together through the beautiful gospel of Jesus Christ. And the way that I begin to really tie those together is not necessarily sitting in a Sunday school class because you're only dealing with one, one, one matter at a time. It's when I personally sit aside and I begin to personally read through the Word and, and, and it's amazing how God, the Holy Spirit, just begin to speak to my heart. I, I challenge you to do that. I was just a little commercial on the importance of reading your Bible, folks. The, the Word of God says, and the truth, and the, the truth shall make you free. Uh, folks, as much as I love you, as much as I'd love to be able to to, to help you with the issues of life. I'm a person that I have hurts, hangups, and habits just like you. It's the truth that will make you free. And I'll pray, I prayerfully that I can, I can point you to the truth, but it's the truth. And, and, and Jesus says, he prayed to God, he said, Lord, sanctify them, through thy, uh, sanctify them through thy truth. And Jesus says, thy word is truth. If, if, if you want to deal with the issues of your life, open the word of God. And always remember that Jesus Christ himself is the living truth. And so Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man can come to the Father but through me. Um, a couple of things I just do want to mention to you, and I almost forgot one of those, is, is I think it's on December the 5th, that's on a Friday, the first Friday, it's always on the first Friday, it's going to be our um, a VIP Christmas um, banquet. It's always just one of the highlights of the year. You know, again, we, we use these acronyms VIP. You think, well, what in the world is a VIP? That's, a, we, that's for, short for Vintage Impact. And then you ask, what's Vintage Impact? That's for those of you that are 55 and older. You know, those of you that are a little bit closer to glory than others. But you know what? We love our VIPs, and, and there's always a great, great banquet that's um, for that. And, and we encourage you to write that down. Uh, they're going to be doing some things a little bit different. I think they're going to give the life story of Stephen Foster this year. And um, let you learn some. It's going to be it's going to be very interesting, very historical, and it'll be very spiritual also. But it's always a great, great time. So please write that down. And and um, it's always a special, special 
some time. I see the baptistry. We, we still have it up. And, boy, God blessed us last week as we just baptized so many. And um, shoot, I was just thinking about it. Maybe there's some of you who couldn't make it last week, and you, you still want, need to follow Christ through believers' baptism. Or maybe Holy Spirit convicted you on that last week that you said, you know what, I need to be up there. You come see me after the service. And if we have, if there's just one of you, we'll, we'll make sure we hold that thing up and, and, and we'll, we'll have baptism next Sunday morning. And so, um, so you just come see me. And um, it's just an exciting time. It's a celebration when, when someone takes that step. John, the first chapter, loved the gospel of John. And, and John is so descriptive within his writings. As a matter of fact, John, John, a little bit different than Matthew, Mark, and Luke, who, 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 sometimes called the synoptic gospels because they're like a synonym. They're, they're much alike. John's totally different. Not that he's not speaking of Jesus Christ, but John has a way of describing Jesus Christ. The other gospels don't. And um, it's just it's, it's so refreshing. He, John almost writes from his heart and also from a, almost an artistic way of describing Jesus Christ in great images. We're going to see that today again. And um, today we're going to be looking at, at, um, at the Lamb of God. And let's all stand together and um, as, as we read together John, the first chapter. And I'm going to, I'm going to start in verse 15. Then I'm going to, well, no, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And, and I'm starting verse 19. I'm going to read on down to verse 29 because it gives you the context. Before Jesus Christ, he, Jesus Christ was born. He'd lived 30 years and, and Jesus Christ, during those 30 years, really don't know a whole lot about him. He was in the background. The Bible doesn't even address a lot about him, from, especially from him being 12 years old on. And, um, and, but in verse 19, we, we find where, where John the Baptist came on the scene. The Bible said that at the end of Malachi that God gave a, a, a fast or he gave a famine of the word of God for over 400 years. And folks, that's a sad thing. When God quits speaking to his people, that's a sad thing. If God, one of the great gifts we have is when God speaks to our heart. But for 400 years, God had not said anything. And then he sent John on the scene. In verse 19, he says, and this is the record of John when he, when, when the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to, to ask him, who art thou? And he confessed and denied not, but but, but confessed, I am not the Christ. He said, I'm not, I'm not the Messiah. And, and then he says, and they asked him, what then, are you Elias or Elijah? And he said, I am not. Or, or thou the, the prophet, the great prophet that God had promised to, to send? He says, yes or no. Then they said to him, who art thou that we may give it an answer to them that sent us? What says thou of thyself? And he said, I am the voice of the one crying in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord, as said the prophet Isaiah. And they that were, were sent were the Pharisees, and they asked him and said unto him, Why baptize thou, if thou be not the Christ, or Elijah, or, or Elias, neither that prophet? And John answered them, saying, I baptize with water, but there standeth one among you whom you know not. He it is who is coming after me is preferred before me, whose shoes latch it, I'm not worthy to unloose. It's like, I can't even untie shoes. He said, these things were done in Barabra, beyond the Jordan where John was baptizing. And then this is the text today. Then the next day, John seeth Jesus coming into him and said, and this is what John said as he saw Jesus Christ. Well, you just think of John. Just put yourself there. John was out baptizing. 
that when Jesus Christ, as we've studied already, that you know there was nothing special in the looks. As a matter of fact, the Bible says he was uncommonly. He was not a good-looking man. You know, Jesus Christ didn't come up there riding on a horse. He just came up there walking, just, just like anybody else in the crowd. But when John saw him, there was something different about Jesus Christ. It says, coming unto him, saith, Behold, he said, Everyone look, the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sins of the world. This is whom I have said, After me cometh a man which is preferred before me, before, for he was before me. I knew him not, but he should be made manifest to Israel. Therefore I have come to baptize with water. And John bare records saying, I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove, and it abode upon him. And I knew him not, but he that sent me to baptize with water, the same said unto me, Upon whom thou shalt see the Spirit descending and remaining on him, the same is he which is baptized with the Holy Ghost. And I saw and I bear record, this is the Son of God. Oh, Father, take these words, bless them, use them, Father, that God, that we might see Jesus for who he is. God, you minister as you only can minister, Lord, in the precious name of Jesus, I pray. Amen and amen. Again, John the Baptist was a man that he was quite eccentric. There had been no word of God spoken through prophets for 400 years as God had sealed it up. But then John came, and, and he was a man that lived in the wilderness. He, he wore camel's hair. He ate locusts I mean, and honey. He was just, a, he's just kind of a weird type of guy. But even through all of that, he had a voice that people would listen to, and people began to gather to him because he began to preach truth, and, and John began to, to baptize in, 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 in the area of repentance. That understanding that, that, that people were all sinners, and that you need to recognize there's a cleansing for you, needs to be a cleansing for your sins, and, and people would be baptized recognizing that I am a sinner, and I'm wanting to start a new life. But John said, there's one coming after me that's not going to baptize with water, but he's going to baptize with fire. That's with the Holy Spirit. One day, that man showed up. You know, they had asked John, John, are, are, are you the Messiah? He said, I know I'm not the Messiah. John, are you, are you that great prophet that is spoken of and in the Word? He says, no, I'm, I'm not that prophet. He says, but you know, there's one coming after me that's much greater than me. And I think it's so very interesting when Jesus showed up, this very simple man, this very uncommonly man, just, just, just a regular guy showed up. But when John saw him, isn't it interesting that John didn't say, there's the Messiah? Because that's what people were looking for. Or John didn't say, there's that great prophet? Because that's what the people were looking for. But John described him, behold, everyone look, there's the Lamb of God. He says that takes away the sins of the world. I think that's very interesting to me. Why would John chose to, to, to declare Jesus Christ when Jesus first came to be recognized? He was not recognized as the Messiah. He was not recognized as the great prophet. He was not recognized as the king of Jews or the king of the kings, but he was recognized it's the Lamb of God. Guys, do you have that picture of the Lamb that um, we're going we're to look at? I just, 
Just thinking about that. The Lamb of God. A lamb. You know, when you begin to study about lambs, there's, there's really nothing spectacular about them. As a matter of fact, you know, lambs are, are very defenseless. They, they, they have to, they're a very social animal. And the reason they're very social is because they can't defend themselves. And the only way they can protect themselves from the enemy is all of them gather up and, 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 and be in a, a flock or a crowd together. We're told that they're not the most smart of animals. As a matter of fact, they have a very following uh, instinct about him that, that where, wherever they're led to, that they'll follow. And, and I was reading that over in New Zealand a few years ago, there I think it was 95 sheep that, that one of the sheep began to go across a ravine that was real deep, and, and he fell in, and 95 other sheep, before they could stop him, fell in the ravine because they were just following the leader. Because that's, that's just sheep. And is this the way that you would describe the Son of God as... As a lamb? As a matter of fact, that again, there, there was nothing, there was nothing special about the character of a sheep. Now, now they were very useful. They, they were they were very useful for, for meat products, they were very useful for, for their for their wool. But that's how John described Jesus Christ. Behold the lamb. Behold the lamb. And then he says, that takes away the sins of the world. What was John thinking? Why was John wanting to describe the Messiah, the King of Kings, the great prophet, as simply the Lamb of God? That's what I want us to stop and look at this morning. Because what we'll find is this imagery is throughout the Word of God. John did not use an imagery that, that, that the people did not understand, that, that not only from them previously, but John could have been looking forward because the imagery remains until the very end. And that's what I hope for us to look at this morning, is how, how we see that, that even though Jesus appeared on that day that John was baptizing, that the Lamb of God is referred to throughout all the Word of God. And so let's just look back. Let's look what John could have been thinking because the people understood the, 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 the importance of the sacrificial lamb. But I want you to kind of come back. I want us to go back and some things that we studied and, and kind of look back. Look back past that time before Jesus Christ showed up and, and was baptized to John that we'll see that, that very prominent within Scripture, what, what I will call the sacrificial lamb of God. He's the Savior that saved us from the penalty of our sin. You know, one thing about it, people is always the same. People are people, and from Adam, we've all sinners. We're all in need of a Savior. And we see that throughout all of Scripture. But I want us just to take, a, take us back, first of all, when Abraham. When Abraham, God was calling upon him, and God was testing his faith, and Abraham received a son, the promised son from God. His name was Isaac. And what God told Abraham, Abraham, I've gave you this son, but now I want him back. And Abraham, what I want you to do is I want you to go up to Mount Moriah and I want you to give your son back to me. I want you to sacrifice your son for me. Is that something crazy or not? But that's what God was asking Abraham to do because he was really, he was really testing Abraham, do you really love me and do you really believe me or not? 
Because, folks, without faith, it's impossible to please God. And Abraham says, you know what, God, I trust you so much, even though this is the child that you've given me, that you've promised to me, and you've promised me that, that there's, there, there's going to be a great nation built for him. I want to trust you so much that if you've asked me to sacrifice my son, that's what I'm going to do. Because I believe even if he dies, you'll raise him back to life again. And Abraham went up that mountain, and he went to Isaac and, and, and left all his servants, and, and, and Isaac was carrying the wood. And, and, and Abraham was carrying the flame. And Isaac asked his dad, he says, Dad, here's the wood and here's the fire, but, but where's the lamb? Not realizing it was him. But when Abraham built that altar and laid Isaac on that altar and raised his knife, God said, stop, Abraham. He says, look, and there's a ram, there's a lamb in the thicket. You take that lamb and you substitute him. And so he took Isaac off that altar and he took that lamb that was called or that ram that was called in the thicket and that ram was substituted for Isaac. And so even the beginning of our faith, Abraham, the father of righteousness, that we see that the substitutionary work of Jesus Christ, he was that lamb of God that was substituted for you and me. Folks, because of our sins, we should all be on the altar. Because of our sins, that, that we should be on that cross. But, but we see even back in the beginning that, that, it, that, that Jesus Christ was the Lamb of God. He substituted himself for you and me. Isn't that a good, good thought? Isn't that something to just shout and, and say, you know, that we need to make a joyful noise unto the Lord? Because he was the substitutionary Lamb. And then, and then when... When God was about to deliver his people from Egypt, and they had been in bondage for 400 years, and they cried out to God and said, God, we're under oppression. And God has sent plague after plague upon, upon Egypt through his prophet Moses. But then one day, God told Moses, he says, Moses, I want every family in Israel to take a lamb. And I want you to take that lamb into the house with you. And on the day that I, I tell you, I want you to sacrifice that lamb. And I want you to eat that lamb. And, and, and whatever's left, and then, then, then um, you remove it. But when you sacrifice that lamb, this is what I want you to do. I want you to take the blood of that lamb and put it on your doorpost. Put it on the lintel of your doorpost. Because what I'm going to do is I'm going to send a death angel. And when that death angel passes over Egypt that the firstborn of every child is going to die. But when that death angel passes over, everyone who's under the blood of the Lamb, I will pass over. Death will pass over you. And so what we see then is, is also that this was a picture of Jesus Christ. He is that Passover, that, that Paschal Lamb, that, that when, when God sees the blood applied, then death will pass over. So isn't that good news? Isn't that something that should make a shout unto the Lord? Because when John said, Behold the Lamb of God, it's the Lamb who was substituted for us, and also it's the Lamb that, that, that through his shed blood, the death angel passed over for those who recognize that he is the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. When God began to establish his sacrificial system, that we find another aspect of, of the Lamb of God. Not only was he the substitutionary Lamb, but, 
but also he was, the, he was the Passover sacrifice. But, but God says, what I want you to do is every morning and every evening, I want you to take a lamb and you sacrifice that lamb. Every morning, every evening, every morning, every evening, every morning, every evening, that, that, that a lamb should be sacrificed. Why? Because it was a continual, need, um, it was a continual sign of man's need for God. That, that man would continue to sacrifice a lamb as an offering to God because I need God. I, I didn't need him just yesterday. I need him today too. And I'm going to do it tomorrow because I need him today, tomorrow too. That there has to be, a, there, we have a continual need. And that's what Jesus Christ, he was that, also a picture that we find, that we find in Exodus, the 29th chapter, that he was that lamb of daily offering. It's called the Tamid. That shows man's continual need for God. And folks, every time we think of Jesus, it reminds me of my need for God. Oh, what a Savior. The one that's same yesterday, today, and he's tomorrow. I need thee every hour. And John would say as he looked back, behold the Lamb of God, the one that, that meets that need that we have every single day within our life. Folks, there's not a day that you open your eyes that you don't need Jesus Christ. And that reminds us. There was also that day of atonement. The day that God that set up within the Levitical system that we find in Leviticus, the 16th chapter, on the day that there was a picture of the atonement of man's sin, it was the only day that when the, when the tabernacle was set up and, and it, within the tabernacle there was, there was two separate rooms. There was, there was, there was the, the place of holies and that's where the priest would go into daily and there would be, be, the, um, there would be the bread, the, the table of bread, which shows that, that Jesus is the bread of life. And then there, was the, um, there would be the table of lights, that he's the light of the world and also there would be the incense table that, that was tended to every day that shows the sweet prayers of the saints. But only one time a year would man go because that room was separated by a thick veil because on the other side of that veil was the Holy of Holies. That contained the Ark of the Covenant. And, 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 and that's where it represented the presence of God. And only one time of a year could a, a priest, the high priest, go behind the veil and he would make... He would make a sacrifice offering to God on that day and for the people of Israel. But God said, this is what I want you to do. On that day, I want you to take two lambs. I want you to take two goats, which was representing the lambs. That, and one of those, I want, this is what I want you to do. I want you to, to, to take one of them and pray over, pray over its head all the sins of the people. And then you, 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 take, that, you take that goat out into the wilderness so that it can't be found again, so it's forgotten. Because that's a picture that, folks, when, when God atones for our sins, he not only forgives them, but he also forgets them. Isn't that good news? But then there's also the one, the, the others, that the sins would be prayed over, and that, that the blood of that lamb would be taken and be sprinkled on the altar, showing the atonement, the forgiveness of our sins. You see, the work of Jesus Christ is so broad that it takes many pictures to really describe the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. And all of these people were familiar with these things. 
They, they understood the importance of sacrifice, but, but when Jesus Christ came on the scene, it all began to come together. That These were all pictures of the, of the one who come for us. His name was Jesus Christ. There was also in Leviticus another offering, another lamb that was offered, and it was called the guilt offering lamb. And that's where a, a, um, the, the priest is to take one male lamb and present it, offer a guilt offering along with a log of olive oil and present them as a wave offering before the Lord. Leviticus, the 14th chapter. Because what this is saying, that, that, that the guilt offering lamb is when he was offered, it was to take all of our guilt away. Man. Because the guilt was laid upon the sacrifice. Isn't that good that I don't have to walk under the weight of guilt anymore because there was a lamb that took my place? We also find as we look back, we shared this. He was, a, he was described as the lamb that was led to slaughter. We find in, in, in Isaiah 53, 7, it shows his humble submission because we see in Isaiah 53, 7, he was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth and he was as a lamb led to the slaughter. As in as a sheep before it shears his side, so he opened not his, his, his mouth. That Jesus Christ obediently and humbly went to the cross for you and me. Peter says, though he was reviled, he did not yell back at people. Though people mocked at him and accused him, he never lashed back at them because he realized that his, his, his purpose was to come to die on Calvary for you and me. He was a lamb that was led to slaughter but never opened his mouth. Aren't you proud that we serve such a Jesus? Aren't you glad that, that, that he is the lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world? Folks, this is all in the Old Testament. The Old Testament is absolutely full of the Lamb of God who shed his blood for you and for me. I, th I, I think it's interesting that, that Jeremiah described him this way in, in Jeremiah 19, 11, but, but But I was like a docile lamb brought to the slaughter. I did not know that they had devised schemes against me, saying, let us destroy the tree with its fruit and let us cut him off from the land of the living that his name may be remembered no more. The docile, he was a gentle lamb. The gentle lamb. Blessed are the meek because they'll inherit the earth. And Jesus was that meek lamb. I think this is just absolutely astounding when you begin to go back and, and you begin to understand this is, this is what John was talking about. This is what John was saying as he was looking back over the history of the Israelites when, when John was saying, behold, the Lamb of God. He didn't call him the Messiah. He didn't call him the King of Kings. He did not call him the great prophet. He said, no, this is the Lamb of God, the one that we have seen through the sacrificial system, the Lamb of God who came and gave his life for you and for me. Paul, the Apostle Paul, kind of, I think, summarized all of this. And this is, this is, where, this is, there, this is where things make a little bit of a, a change. And, and Paul describes Jesus Christ when he was, Paul was teaching us that, that, that we need to live in submission and, and, and that we need to have the mind of Christ. And, and Paul said these words in Philippians, the second um, chapter, one of the great Christological passages in all of Scripture. When Paul wrote these words, and I want you to, I want you to watch the twist here or, or watch the change in pattern here. 
And, and think of this when John was saying, Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. Not only was John looking back, but he was also looking forward. Because the Word of God says in Philippians, the second chapter, starting in verse 5, it says, Let this mind, let this attitude be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God. You would think of if Jesus Christ would have come to the world, he would have came as the God and the King. And, and so everyone says, say, look at me. But that's not how Jesus came. He came meek and lowly in heart. He says, although he was God and thought it was not robbery to be equal with God, but he made himself of no reputation. He made himself just a lamb. Just a what appeared to be a weak, innocent lamb and took upon him this form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men and being found in the fashion of man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, the death of the cross. He was that lamb that was led to slaughter but never even opened up his mouth. And John says, this is what the Son of God did for you and me. He humbled himself because he was the lamb of God who came to take away the sins of the world. And folks, we, we shouldn't even have to go any further and just say, wow, that is why Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ is worthy of our praise and glory because he, he came as the Lamb of God for the one purpose of taking away your sins and my sin. He came not in pomp and glory. He came in simplicity and humility to take away the sins of the world. And as John looked at him, he says, behold, the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. But he didn't stop there. Look what Paul continues on. As, as he says, he came obedient unto death, the death of the cross. But then in verse 9, there's a transition. In verse 9, it says, Wherefore God hath also highly exalted him and have given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things of heaven and things of earth and things under the earth. And what he's saying, because Jesus Christ came and he allowed himself to be humiliated and die for the sins of man, because of that, God is going to highly exalt him. He's going to, 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 to lift him up so all the world would praise him. So think about it again. Let's look back, and as we look back and we see that Jesus Christ was that substitutionary lamb, that sacrificial lamb, that Passover lamb, that, that lamb for the guild offering, that lamb that reminded us every day that, that, that we are in need of a Savior. He was the one that was led to slaughter but opened up his mouth. But John now looks forward. Because when that lamb died on Calvary, that wasn't the end of the lamb, folks. The Bible says death could not hold him, and he arose. And he says, he says, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I told you. He says, I go to prepare a place for you. And he says, if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to himself. Folks, the lamb is coming back again. And that same picture and that same story, it's not something of the past. It's still of the future. Turn to Revelation, the fifth chapter. Wow, this is just, this is just it's fine, and I'm going to have to run through this. Wow. I'm just going to read this. I'm going to, I'm going to finish this next one up next week. But I want you to read 
the fifth, I want us to read the fifth chapter. This is so beautiful because there's just, there's too much to deal with. John looked back, he was a sacrificial lamb, but folks, when he looked forward, he was the sovereign lamb of God. He, they were wondering, is this the Messiah, is this the king? John says, you better, John, John now, the, the, the writer of Revelation, God, John the apostle says, he's not, only the, he's not only the sacrificial lamb, he's the sovereign lamb. And why don't you look at me in verse chapter 5 of Revelation, verse 14 and, and following, or verse 4 and following. I actually start in verse 1 since we're going to close with this. And I saw in the right hand of him that sat on the throne a book written within and on the backside sealed with seven seals. And I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, Who is worthy to open up the book and to loose the seals thereof? And, and this book is probably the title deed of the earth. It's, a, it's, it's the book that's going to open up the destiny of all the earth. And who is able to open up the book? Who has the world in their hands is the question. Who's the one that dictates the events of the world? Folks, it's not Putin. It's not ISIS. It's not, it's not man, folks. It's the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. Just like John says, yeah, there's a lot of stuff going on. But folks, we have a king. His name's Jesus, and he's the Lamb of God. Because continue to follow on, and the Bible says, no man in heaven nor either the earth nor under the earth was able to open the book, neither looked thereon. So there was a great sadness. Who, who's, none of us can open the book. None of us are living or any of us that are already dead. None of us has the authority. And, and he says in verse 4, And I wept much because no man was found worthy to open the book and to read the book, neither to look thereon. In verse 5, And one of the elders saith unto me, Weep not, behold, the line of the tribe of, of, Luke, uh, of Judah, the root of David, that prevailed to open the book and to loose the seven seals. It's the line of Judah. But then in verse 6 it says, Who is this line of Judah? And I beheld, and lo, in the midst of the throne, and the four beasts, and in the midst of the elders, stood a lamb, as if it had been slain, having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent into all the earth. And he came and he took the book out of the right hand of him that sat upon the throne. And when he had taken the book, the four beasts and the four of the twenty elders fell down before the lamb and having every one of them harps and golden vials full of odors or incense and the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song. I think we saw, sang that. Then they sing a new song in the Revelation song. And they sang a new song saying, Thou art worthy. Lamb, you're the one that's worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof. For thou, for thou wast slain, and thou hast redeemed us to God by the blood out of every kindred and every tongue and people and nation, and has made us into God king, made unto us unto our God kings and priests, and we shall reign on the earth. And I beheld and I heard a voice as many angels round about the throne. And the beast and the elders and the number of them was ten thousands times ten thousand, thousands of thousands, saying out with a loud voice. What were they saying? Worthy is the Lamb. Worthy is the Lamb that was slain to receive, and to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing in every creature which is in heaven and on the earth and under the earth and such that are in sea. And all that are in them heard I saying, Blessing and honor and glory and power to him that sitteth upon the throne and unto the Lamb forever and ever. 
And the four beasts said, Amen. And the four and the twenty elders fell down and worshipped him that liveth forever. We're going to stop. I'm going to follow this because we go right on through Revelation. That when John saw Jesus Christ, again, he did not call him the Messiah. He did not call him the great prophet. He did not call him the king of kings. He called him the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. Because he looked back, he was the lamb that was slain for you and me to take away our sins. Folks, Jesus Christ was the lamb of God who took my place and your place on Calvary. We all are in the need of the Savior. But then when the lamb was slain, he was buried, he arose again, he ascended to the Father, that he now sits on the throne and he and he alone who, who holds the world's destiny within his hand. He alone is worthy to open the seals. There is no other. And so I ask you today, what about you? Who is Jesus Christ to you? Is he just a friend? Is he just a good philosopher? Or, 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 or maybe he's just that one that you kind of pull out of the box when you need him. Let me tell you, Jesus Christ should be everything to you. He's the one who sacrificed himself for your sins, for my sins. We're all sinners. We all fall short of the glory of God. We all deserve to be sacrificed on the altar for our sins, but Jesus Christ was that sacrifice for us. And because that he was slain for your sins, for my sins, the Heavenly Father has lifted up and placed him on the throne. He now rules. See, Jesus Christ came as a sacrificial lamb, but he's coming again as the sovereign lamb of God. Is he your sovereign? Is he your king? The Bible says one day, every knee's going to bow and every tongue's going to confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. But it's according to what you do in this life. See, what you don't realize, you're going to confess Jesus Christ as Lord one day. But if you do it today, you can live with him eternally. But if you wait, then you'll be separated from him. But sadly, when you're separated eternally in a place called hell, you're still going to recognize that he is the Lord of lords. I ask you to come today to Jesus Christ. I ask you today to recognize him as the Lamb of God that was slain for your sins and yours alone. You see, you, you can never understand your need of a Savior and your need of Jesus until you recognize your own lostness. We've all sinned. We've all fallen short of God. And that sin will separate us from God. That's why Jesus came. To take your place. Is the Holy Spirit speaking to you today? Have you seen Jesus as God desires? As John pointed out, as the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. See, that's why Jesus came. Jesus himself said, the Son of Man said, has come to seek and to save that which was lost. He came not to be ministered to, but to minister and to give his life as a ransom for many. That's the reason Jesus came, to be the sacrificial lamb. And because he was a sacrificial lamb, he's going to be the sovereign lamb. Would you today bow down to him and give yourself to the lamb of God? that takes away the sins of the world. Now, Father, I pray that you...